Hello, welcome to Ministry Moments with Dr. Kevin Jackson. I want to thank you for taking this opportunity to join me for this podcast as we continue our review and study on the tangible leadership of God. We have covered Exodus chapter 13, parts 1 through 3, and we have been certainly blessed. I hope you have. As we've focused on God's tangible leadership through the person in second in leadership, Moses, as he's leading the children of Israel or the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity. And in those first three parts of the series, we really dealt with the preparation of Israelites and their equipage, as well as God equipped them to make this journey as they were heading towards the Red Sea. Before we go any further, let's take an opportunity and ask the Lord to bless our shared time together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together. I pray that you will enlighten us, that you will speak words into our hearts, that we may learn from your word and implement it in our lives, that we may be better disciples of Jesus Christ. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at Exodus chapter 14, Exodus chapter 14, and I just want to deal with uh, the first 14 verses uh, of that chapter. And so unlike parts one, two, and three, I'm going to do some highlighting of main things that will help us uh, in our current um, conditions as we all are grappling with COVID-19, political unrest, so much uncertainty. But I believe that the Word of God provides us with a roadmap of what our role is as followers of God and what God's role is as our leader. As He leads us and guides us in how to navigate the difficult times. Let's read verses 1 through 4 of Exodus chapter 14, and I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. So the Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi Hadheroth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think, The Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, verse 4, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. One of the first things that we can identify from this text as we look at this, the Israelites are now preparing to go on to the next move. We understand that in part three, they were between Sukkoth and Etham, the end of the desert. And what we see is God maneuvering the Israelites on a path that he has already designed for them. Because God is operating 
from a posture of being omniscient. And he already knows the beginning from the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. So God has a bird's eye view, if you will, of where he's taking them. And if the Israelites will trust him and if Moses will trust him, God will help them navigate this maze that leads ultimately to freedom, deliverance, and the promised land. In verses 1 through 3, we see more geographical maneuvering as God begins to give them that spatial direction to turn back and then to encamp near Pi Hadhiroth and then between Migdal and the sea. And then God said they are to camp by the sea directly opposite of Baal Zephon. What we see is God's giving them exactly what he gave the Israelites in part three as we looked at Exodus chapter 13. He gave them an opportunity for rest, for recovery, so that they can, can move on this continuum of deliverance that he had already orchestrated and designed for them. I know that if you and I would take a moment and think about it, we may feel just like the Israelites in our current context of everything that's going on with the election brewing, with uh, the coronavirus still continuing to grow and there are predictions that there will be greater impact of this COVID-19 uh, if we do not uh, do some things that will prevent it, specifically social distancing and uh, wearing a mask. In fact, they've stated that wearing a mask would uh, save over 100,000 lives. It can be difficult navigating those kinds of things, work, home, grocery store, who has COVID, who doesn't have it, financial difficulties, relationships, being a distance from people, from family, not actually experiencing that uh, collegial touch, handshake, hugs, and those kinds of things. All of those things that we desire and need uh, from a human standpoint. But God, in the midst of all of those things that are on the proverbial plate, your plate, mine, all of the events that are taking place and circumstances and situations that we may experience, God calls us again to a place of rest, recovery, and restoration. I want to encourage you, as I have in the other uh, parts of this series, to take advantage of those moments when God, and hopefully you'll be able to discern, as I encourage you in part three, discern when God is telling you and telling me to stop, rest, recover for restoration. Because we know he has the overall plan and God knows where he's taken us. He may not change all of the things that we're experiencing. All of the externals may still be in place, but none of those things impact who God is. He still knows what he's going to do.
We read that in the biblical text in Exodus chapter 14. We read it in Exodus chapter 13. And even as we look in uh, biblical texts in the New Testament, and Jesus would call all of the people to sit down on the side of the mountain that he may feed them. And even though he provided the disciples with this predicament of how to feed these people, how to take care of them, the Bible says, and he knew what he was going to do. What I'm trying to get you and remind myself to do is to remember that God knows what he's going to do. He's never without a plan. He's never out of sync with himself. He knows where he's taking us. And he knows if you've ever played chess, what pieces are on the board and he knows the moves to make. What we see in verses one through four is we see and we have an opportunity in retrospect to hear the strategy of God. To hear the strategy of God. In this text, it reveals that God has a strategy. Now, if we look at Jeremiah 29 11, while they were in Babylonian captivity uh, for 70 years, uh, here's the scripture that we know. I know the plans I have for you. I want you to know God has a plan, a strategy for you and me as it is demonstrated in the biblical text that he had a strategy for the Israelites. And that strategy would impact everybody related in the circumstances. Let's lift them up. The Israelites, God, Moses, the land itself, Pharaoh, his armies, the horses that he would be riding on. All of those components are a part of God's strategy in how he's going to move his people towards the place that he's ordained them from. I want you to lift up all of the pieces and parts in your life, in your circumstances right now, the good, bad, and the indifferent, and understand God, hallelujah, is moving the pieces around because he has a strategy. He knows what he's going to do. And he's moving you and I strategically so that the outcomes will be exactly what he's designed in the very beginning. And so here's some things that we want to lift up out of that text there. God says he reveals the strategy to Moses. Moses sorry, He reveals the strategy to him by saying, I want you all to be in this place and this is going to cause, oh, I love God. It's going to cause Pharaoh to think a certain way. See, God knows Pharaoh. He knows his propensities. He knows how he thinks. He knows whatever strategy that Pharaoh has. God says, I'm moving the pieces around. Hallelujah. And I'm going to put the Israelites in this place. Hallelujah. Between Migdal and the sea. And Pharaoh is going to believe that he has you hemmed up. Sometimes God moves us in places where it seems like from the enemy's perspective that they have us. That they have us hemmed up. 
They've gotten us down for the count of 10. Uh, but what the enemy doesn't know and what we need to be aware of is that it's a setup for God to show up. I said it's a setup for God to show up. God already knew how Pharaoh would think through his own strategy. He knew where the Israelites needed to be. And God set this thing up so that he could show up on the behalf of his people. That's called divine intervention. I don't care how difficult a situation gets and how bad it may feel. And even when it looks like you don't have a sure way of victory, I want you to understand, don't count out divine intervention. I don't care if it's a financial circumstances. Don't count out divine intervention. I don't care if it's social, employment-wise, health-wise, whatever the circumstance is. I want you to remember that there's always, hallelujah, space for divine intervention. And this was a part of God's overall strategy as he is dictating, sharing with Moses his step-by-step strategy for the Israelites. I'm talking about the tangible leadership of God. Look at God lead. Look at God set things up on behalf of his people. Look how God is communicating with Moses, giving him step-by-step instruction. And all the people, all Israel had to do, Israelites had to do, was to obey the instructions that were being handed down to them. God says, there's going to look like, hey, that the enemy has hemmed you up. Oh, glory to God, but it's a setup. Don't lose faith and don't become fearful when it looks like the enemy's got you hemmed up. When it looks like you might have to wave the white flag of surrender. Don't you dare. Keep your mind focused on divine intervention. Because God can show up to show out on your behalf. And God said, verse 4, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. I want you to see this playing out. It's going to look like they're hemmed in and then the enemy is going to say, uh-huh, I gotcha. And I'm going to rush in and do my do on you. Oh, but I love what the scripture says, but God says, but I, what I want you to understand that when God intervenes, God's got some motivation behind what he's doing. He's got some motivation behind his intervention on the behalf of the Israelites. The text tells us what God's motivation is. He says, I will gain glory uh, for myself through Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians. He will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. What is from the text that we can lift up? God's motivation in the text. His motivation in the text was, number one, it was for God's glory to be revealed, to be displayed. God wanted to get the glory, the credit, uh, the adoration 
the satisfaction out of this divine intervention that he set up for himself. Uh, and he said, and the Israelites, God says, I want to inform them. I want to school them. I want to broaden their intellect. I want them to see the revelation uh, of who he is. God says, I'm doing this intervention for my glory and I'm doing it so that the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And by the way, the Israelites will know that he is the Lord as well because they are following Moses and many of them are following him loosely uh, because they are not quite sure. They still have some thoughts about Moses because they've seen him in the palace. Uh, but they are also going to be impacted by God's intervention on their behalf. I'm talking about the tangible leadership of God. When God set things up so that he can intervene and get the glory and inform the foe that he is, who is the Lord? Uh, one psalmist wrote, uh, who, who is the Lord? The Lord, God, strong and mighty, mighty in battle. That, that's who is on our side. That's who we are gathering behind. That's who we are looking to uh, when we come to situations that are too difficult and maybe troubling. And so we understand that God's motivation is that his glory is displayed and that the revelation of who he is may be realized by the Egyptians and Pharaoh. Let's look at verse five. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? What this reveals in the text, and I want you to really hear what God is saying. When the enemy, because they, they had to do a relook, a retake, they changed their minds and asked themselves, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So while we see, and we already understood this, the motivation, we talk about the motivation of God. Now we talk about the motivation of the enemy. The enemy's motivation is to get out of us as much as he can. And that gateway is through the gateway of sin. The more he can use us, the more he can hold us in bondage, in captivity, and oppression by whatever means it is. He does it as long as he can get services out of us. Oh, you need to declare, I will not be used by the devil. I won't be used by the enemy so that he can get his services, his deeds, and his dirty work done through me. When they realized that they did not have the manpower, workforce, free labor, services anymore, there was a shifting in their thinking, and they asked themselves, what have we done? Verse 6, so he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. 
Verse 7, he took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. Verse 8, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Pharaoh, of course, being a title, not necessarily the name of the person. And so we see here God doing what he said. Oh, you can take. God bless you. This is Dr. Jackson. Listen, I am so thankful that you have the opportunity to tune in for part four of the tangible leadership of God. And listen, I am looking forward to sharing with you on part five as we continue to delve into Exodus chapter 14. I hope that you are being blessed by of these teaching series. Do me a favor. Give me some feedback. You can also leave me a message as you access uh, ministry moments with Dr. Jackson on the internet. Okay, so on Anchor website. I am so grateful. God bless you and have a great day.